Welcome back to The Achievers. This week I'm joined by Lindsay Pinchuk, and today we're going to talk about an interesting topic of how you should use a podcast inside of your own business. At Hivecast, we have a lot of people come to us thinking about doing a podcast, and then they get onto this question of monetization, and they think about running ads, and they think about getting sponsors, and often that's not a realistic way to grow a show and to earn money from it. Lindsay, in our mind, is really doing it in the best possible way and integrating it into everything else that she's doing. Lindsay, welcome to The Achievers. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. Let's start with some of the basics. So what is the show and what it's what it's about? So my show is called Dear Found Her. And it is essentially a twice-weekly letter to female founders and entrepreneurs, women in business who are just really looking to find success on their entrepreneurial journeys. Okay. And that's Um, what it is. And prior to this, you had the Bump Club, right? A a parenting uh, and baby website? So essentially, I started this podcast as the podcast that I wished I had when I was starting my own company. You know, I, I became a female founder 13 years ago. And... I didn't really have resources. I also kind of became a founder on accident. So here I was, I had this business. I was wrapped up in every aspect of growing this company, which essentially became one of the largest communities for parents and parents to be in the country. And I had no support in the beginning. And it really wasn't until I found peers and other women through networking that I realized, oh my God, I'm not in this alone. And there are people out there who understand what it is I'm going through. So when I essentially sold, I sold my company and when I eventually left, I decided that I wanted to start a podcast to help other female founders with all of the things that I felt so on an island, I mean, about like for so long. And so that's really where this podcast came from. And, you know, at first I tapped into my own network of founders and got friends and people that I knew on the podcast. But the minute we started sharing, one thing led to another. And I mean, now I'm getting sometimes up to 50 pitches a day of, for women to be on my show. So, which is amazing. It's, I mean, it really has been so incredible and so awesome. So given that then let, let's sort of share some basics. How many episodes, um, at what point did you start to see the audience growing and were there any sort of significant key moments that meant it went from an idea and something that you knew was going to be successful? Yeah. So, okay. So we've had 128 episodes. I think we dropped 128 today and we started January 6th, 2022. So it's been just over, you know, a year, it's been like 15 months. And from the get go, there was a lot of interest. Now I w I want to say, I didn't just drop my first podcast and, and say, here, I'm here. I mean, I really spent a lot of time. I spent about eight weeks leading up to the first episode talking about Dear Found Her, sharing clips from the guests. I did 30 interviews before the first one dropped. I really took a lot of time preparing for this and making sure that I was dropping a podcast to an already existing community that was forming. My own social media at the time was probably probably just under 10,000. I think I'm closing in on 15 now. And then I also have Dear Found Her has its own Instagram and it's about 3,700 um, people. So, you know, we are definitely picking up speed and ramping up. But when I dropped my first episode, it was four episodes. I dropped four episodes on the first day. It was a very diverse group of guests. And one of the guests was me. So I had someone interview me and tell my story. That was episode four. And what that did was it allowed for people to 
listen to the first episode and say, oh my God, I really like this. I want to listen to the second. Or as the guests were sharing, which they did, then they there were other episodes that were right there and ready and people could all of a sudden grab a hold of them. Now, I wanted to do one episode a week, but given the feedback I got on that first week, I ended up doing two. And I also had 30 episodes banked. And when I started dropping the episodes, I have a very vast network of people in public relations who follow me just from my background. And I all of a sudden started getting pitches. And so it was, you know, I, I was like, oh God, like, how am I going to keep up with this? So I started doing two episodes a week and I started getting some very big names. Um, Catherine Reitman was on my show. I She's from Working Moms, which is a Netflix show. She's incredible. Ivan Reitman was her father. He he created Ghostbusters. And um, she was a very big episode that dropped and just a big name that dropped. And when people, I think, saw her in the video and saw her in the clips, they were like, oh, like Lindsay's really serious. I ended up having a, I, I created a bucket list for myself going into the first year. And I created that bucket list of like, these are three guests that I want on my show. And on December 14th of last year, I interviewed the very last person on that bucket list. So all three of them transpired last year. The first one was Jen Sherman from Peloton. And actually I dropped our second episode today with her. Um, When she was on my show in July, that was really a pivotal moment to answer your question. She shared it so much. She still shares it. She's she, She shares about me all the time. She has been such an incredible supporter and she has an amazing community that is so engaged with her, many of whom are my community as well because she reaches this woman who's over 40 plus. She might be doing something in her 2.0 or maybe she's shifting careers or pivoting and Jen talks about that a lot. That episode got thousands and thousands and thousands of downloads, whereas like at the time, a regular episode of mine was getting about two to 300. And so a lot of new people started following me and continued to follow me. The second bucket list guest was Dr. Becky Kennedy, who is an Instagram star from the pandemic. She now has a best-selling book and she has an insane membership for parents. She has millions of followers. She also shared it and she was a huge name to have on the podcast. And that actually put me on the radar with a lot of the younger moms. Um, So moms who maybe didn't know me from Bump Club all of a sudden knew me because Dr. Becky was on my show. And then the last bucket list guest that was really transforming for my brand last year was Bobby Brown. And Bobby Brown was the first person that I came out and said, I want to interview for my podcast even before the other two. And I got her through a simple Instagram post saying I wanted to interview her and she saw it and she said, okay. And it was, I don't want to say it's as simple as that because it wasn't. And it took about a year of me like talking about this and manifesting this. But those three episodes um, did a lot of things. One, they got a lot of downloads. Obviously you want, you want people to listen to your podcast, but I think they also helped me to build my credibility in terms of my guests and the caliber of my guests and the things that we're going to talk about on this show, because each of them kind of had these big career shifts and career moments that led to them becoming, quote, entrepreneurs. And today, the episode that I dropped with Jen really came out of this relationship that she and I developed through her being on my show. Like I went to New York, I wrote in the Peloton studio, she invited me, we've been going back and forth, we've been talking. And through our conversations, she came to me and said, like, I'm really insecure about social media and using social media for my personal brand. 
and I've been helping her. And so, you know, I've been helping her as a friend and that's what we talk about on today's episode. And since we've been talking about it publicly, so many people have come forward relating to it. And so it's just kind of enhancing that connection. And that's why I share that story. I mean, I think like one, the people who are on your show, they're, they're, they're part of your network. Like they all, like I have 128 women who I never would have ever thought that I would have even talked to. And now I do feel like I can email them and say, Hey, could you share this? Or could you help me? Or, you know, it really has helped with my network and as well. And so it's, it's created an amazing foundation for my business. That's incredible. Uh, 128 women. So we talked about the three that were on the bucket list. How do you go about choosing who the others are going to be? You know, it, so in the first year, it was kind of like people were pitched to me or I asked. There were a lot of people I asked as well. Um, Like I had this woman, Megan Tomte, on the show and she founded Eve, which is a very large women's retailer. I mean, they have hundreds of stores across the country and she grew it from nothing and she grew it from, you know, one store in Minneapolis. She was a very popular episode as well. I, w- I wanted someone in retail on the show. Mm. And so I sought her out. Um, you know, so some people I do ask for and I do go after, but then given my network of PR people in my, like I have a, I have an email list that is specifically PR people. It's about a thousand PR people. And every now and then I'll send out an email. I'm looking for guests that are X, Y, and Z, or do you have any clients that fit this bill? It's really important to me that I have a day, a very diverse group of guests. And I'm not just talking about demographics. Like, I mean, that's important too. Um, you know, both age, background, ethnicity, religion, all of that is very important. So diverse there, but then also just diverse in terms of like skill set and what the business is, because it's really important to me that we're not showing, you know, 10 people who make ice cream. And I had one person who made ice cream and then 10 people came forward and asked me to also, to also feature their, their founder clients that made ice cream, you know, and, and yes, over time, I will share different stories from different categories, but I do really want to show a great representation of all the amazing things that women are doing. I also look at things like social media following, mm-hmm. willingness to, to share the episode, Um, You know, that's part of my formula. Part of my formula is a partnership formula. I am going to be talking about your business and your brand. It's not just on the podcast because I talk about it all over social media. And I know there have been a lot of founders who have come on and people reach out to me and they're like, oh my God, I bought this product. I went on. I like, it's a great marketing vehicle for my guests as well. So, you know, it's, it's that piece as well. Are they willing to participate in the partnership and share the episode? Because that's how I grow. And also just, you know, I I think too, if someone is asking me and asking me and asking me to come on, you know, they're going to be a good guest. So, you know, there's like kind of all these different factors that come into play. Um, I, I changed the, I changed the formula of the podcast going into 2023. You asked me like, how do I pick, you know, who my guests are? I've been trying to stick to themes every month. It's kind of hard. And so I'm not really doing that anymore because I don't really think it matters. I don't really think anyone cares. Everyone just wants a really good story. So I kind of have let that go by the wayside. But like in January, for example, it was all women who were starting their 2.0. In February, it was all women who were starting their businesses from nothing. So, but it's, it's kind of, we've, I've let the themes kind of fall to the wayside. 
Um, but what I did do is I changed the way that I put out the episodes. And on Tuesday, we're doing interviews. And on Thursday, I changed it to an episode format that I call Found Her Files, where it's been mostly me. And I go on and I give actionable tips on a subject. Like one of the most popular ones so far was 11, 11 things that you can post right now on social media. And I got so much feedback from that, from just people who are like, I have no idea what to post or I'm out of ideas. And it was a really action oriented um, episode. And so I'm doing a lot of that on Thursdays, but I am also now bringing in people, experts to help me with those episodes. So for example, I really wanted to get on the radar of this journalist. Her name is Alexandra York, and she writes for Business Insider. She's an entrepreneurship mm-hmm. reporter. And I've pitched her a couple of times. I've answered some like queries that she's put out on LinkedIn. Nothing. And I reached out to her and I said, I'd like for you to be on the podcast so we can talk about how to pitch a reporter. And so she said immediately wrote me back and said, absolutely. And she was on. She's lovely. And now I feel like I could reach out to her if I have a story. And I said to her on the podcast at the end of this year, I'm going to have a story for you and I'm for you to cover. So, you know, she and so that was just a really great way to open the door for me and my network while also serving my community on a topic that they really are interested in. So how do you set that expectation with the guest as to what you want them to do, such as sharing the episode afterwards? And do you even make it a contractual thing? I don't make it a contractual thing. You know, I I have had maybe two guests who have not shared and I have reached out to their PR people. So I'll get into that point in a minute. But essentially, when you when I agree to have you on my show, you get a form that you have to fill out and it has, you know, all the vital information that I need to know about you. And then there is a release that they click as well. And then one of the questions is, will you share this on your social media? And I think it says something like, if so, where? So that I know. And, you know, I don't think anyone has said no, you know, so, but some guests share it more than others. But that also gives me the go ahead that if they don't share to follow up and say, hey, like we've been sharing this episode and tagging you, would you mind resharing it? And when it's a PR person and not just the the guests themselves and a PR person pitches me and they beg me to be on the show, which a lot of times they do. And a lot of times it's incessant that they're like, you know, emailing me over and over to get on the show when they don't share it. I come down on them because ultimately that's going to damage my relationship with them. I'm not going to be so apt to take another guest that they're pushing, pushing, pushing if their guests are not taking part in the ecosystem and the community of Dear Found Her. So, you know, I, I think that that's, that's obviously inherent to someone who has representation, but sometimes it's a good thing. Like I had a, a, a guest recently who it wasn't like a malicious thing. They were just so busy and they weren't sharing. And so I reached out to the PR person and within, you know, days they shared it a couple times, both on their personal and on their brand. Um, I also share a lot and I tag a lot to make it easy so they can just share it. I put it in my stories, which I think is the easiest way for anyone to share anything. So even if I have a post, I'll share that to my stories and I'll tag it because that actually makes it so much easier for them to share. Um, you know, and I also just kind of try to set the set the precedent, like even in the conversation that, you know, this is a great marketing vehicle for the guest as well. And I know for me, when I guest on podcasts, like when you give me this episode, 
I will share it all over. I will likely create my own clips. I mean, you and I are creating content right now that I don't have to then go ahead and create separately. It's, you know, and so, and I really try to kind of hammer that home with my guests that, you know, this is some great content for you to share. And I also give them a folder of assets. And I ask, I say, if you want to share on your own, here's some assets, or you can reshare what I share. I follow up after the episode drops and I, and I also encourage them to share. Do you have somebody who does a lot of that follow-up for you or do you just do it yourself? No, I do the follow-up myself for the podcast. I have a virtual assistant that, um, a new thing that I started this year that actually came out of all the pitches. So in December, I took a lick, like I opened up my my Google sheet that had all the responses from the pitches that people pitch me because I have a form for them to fill out. And I opened it up and it had like 500 people in it. And I was like, holy shit, like, what am I going to do with all of these people? I don't want to say no to them. Like, these are female founders. I want to support them. So what I did was I started um, to share them on our social. They might not be on the podcast, but we share them on the social. And then we launched a website. And on the website, there's a community tab. And if you click community, it's long form profiles of all of these women who are female founders. That has also been really instrumental in helping me grow because anytime I share someone, they share their profile. And like, we, you know, they thank us. Thank you, dear founder, for featuring me. And and then I see immediately the uptick in more visitors to our social and our website, obviously. So, you know, so I have a virtual assistant that helps with that. That's the point. So she goes into that form and she creates all the assets for that and she puts them on our website. That's really clever. I haven't heard of anybody doing that before. In the episodes itself, do you say something? Do you do something? Do you have a particular sort of call to action profile that you find is the best way to get people from being a listener for a single episode to a subscriber or to go visit your socials? I say it all, to be honest, and I play around with different formats. So like if you listen to an episode from like three months ago, even three weeks ago, it might have a different introduction than the current one. Um, right now, currently, I don't know if it's just because we're like kind of on a roll and we've gotten bigger over the last few, like few months with some of our guests, but right now what I, what I'm doing that I think is really helpful is I open up every episode with two sentences about what the episode's going to be about and who's on the podcast. And then I say, but first, before we get into the episode, I want to introduce myself. And I give like a three-sentence set introduction of who I am and why I am credible to be talking to these guests and talking about what I'm what I'm sharing. And then before I get into the episode, I do say if, if, this, if this episode resonates with you or strikes a chord, I'd love it if you left a rating or review. That's how other people find these incredible stories. That's how we share the wealth. That's how we share the knowledge. So you know that I do that. And then at the, in the show notes, it, it says to follow me and whatnot on Instagram and to subscribe. And then a lot of times throughout the show, I'll make references to things. I'll, I'll, I'll say, follow the guests. We're linking it in the show notes, or I usually don't say follow me to be honest, because I feel like people like do like they'll, they'll look in the show notes or if they're following the guests, mine's right underneath it. And they'll probably follow too. So, you know, I don't really say to follow me. I'll be very honest. You know, I, I, that's just not really like what I do, but I do talk a lot about my services. I also like soft sell a lot. Like I'll say, I'll like 
share a story and I'll say, well, I had this client this week or, you know, one of my coaching clients or one of my consulting clients, they did X, Y, and Z. And this was the result that they got. And I'm really good about working those kind of anecdotes into the conversation, especially when it exemplifies, you know, something that one of my guests is bringing up. Right. And how do you manage at the moment you have lindsaypinchuk.com. Um, for those of you who want to go check it out, it's Lindsay with an A, lindsaypinchuk.com. And you have the Dear Found Her website for the community and, and the podcast. Do you have a standard place that you think, okay, I'm going to drive them there first and then from there they can find everything else? Or do you try and get people as close as possible right from the beginning to some sort of conversion point? I always say go to lindsaypinchuk.com first because everything is there. But it depends what I'm talking about. Like if I'm on an episode where I have a very specific lead magnet or something, you know, going on, I will say like, you know, I left you a, I left you a free guide. It's in the link for the show notes of this episode, that kind of thing. Um, It all kind of depends on what it, what it is. But I usually say go to lindsaypinchuk.com because everything's there. And then the second place I say is my Instagram, my personal Instagram, because everything is there as well. And I feel like if someone is investing in me personally and they're following me and they like the advice that I share, oftentimes they will click over to Dear Founder. We've seen we've seen tremendous growth on Dear Founder in as of lately since I've launched the website and started putting a little bit more time into it. Okay. Are the things you do differently in your episodes now you're past 120 than you were doing in your first 20? I'm sure, but I'm not sure that they're so deliberate. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. um, you know, my intro is still the same. I'm working on some new cover art right now. Um, I think the biggest thing is that I do that I changed the format to that Tuesday, Thursday format. And I also think that's made it a lot easier on me too, because I don't want to be like listening and cutting, you know, an, an app like two interviews a week because I do the cutting before I send it to the Hivecast team. I like to listen to my episodes first because I, I it's very important for me that I understand what's going out into the world about me and this guest. So, you know, I, it's, this has become a lot easier for me. And I like the system of me sharing my thought leadership on a Thursday episode. And I've gotten a lot of traction from it. Like I've gotten a lot of clients who have come to me and said, Oh, like, I want to, I want to work with you because of what I heard on your Thursday episode. I didn't do that last year. And I very rarely did a solo episode in 2022. But I also think what I did do is I built my credibility and now people want to hear the solo episode. So, you know, I think to come out of the gate and just start dropping solo episodes, I don't know that I would have done that and I would have done it successfully. I I do think I have proven myself over the last hundred episodes from, you know, from my first hundred episodes to give me the ability and the authority to do this now. Yeah. I think all this content is terrific for people either thinking about doing a podcast or, or already have one. Let's have a couple of sort of rapid fire things that we often get asked about. How many hours a week do you think you invest in making this podcast what it is? Um, It depends on the week because it depends on how many interviews I have. And I do try to cap it. I would say... I don't know, five to seven, you know, some on some weeks, maybe seven to 10 if I'm if I have a ton of interviews. But, you know, I, I have done a really good job batch creating my content so that I don't have to be interviewing people every single week. And so there might be weeks that go by that I don't have a single interview. And all it is, is me, you know, scheduling out the assets that your team creates and my virtual assistant creates on our social media and, 
making it, you know, making it work like that. So I, I think it just depends on the week, but no more than 10 a week. Great. Um, there's a lot of opinion as to whether a podcast really should just be audio only or audio and video. What's your point of view? So I was I I video all my episodes and I do use the video a lot for social media. And that's been a huge, huge, huge driver for listenership. I mean, I think, you know, if I have a really good reel, which oftentimes I do, it will absolutely drive awareness of the podcast. I started posting my episodes, my video episodes on YouTube, like very simply. It's nothing fancy. And the episodes where I am interviewing someone who is notable, like Bobby Brown, like Jen Sherman, they've gotten a lot of traction, I think, without me doing anything. I mean, like my clips and my my both my shorts and my long form video from Bobby Brown have been seen thousands of times on YouTube. Not many thousands, but that's more thousands than they would if they had left them off, right? So I don't think it's hard to put your stuff on YouTube if you, you know, if you have the video. Now, if I wanted to invest and have someone do it like the right way with a bunch of cover thumbnails, like I probably would go a little bit further. And I do think that's something that I would explore further down the road. I'm not quite there yet. Okay, great. What do you, what's your opinion about ads in podcasts? So I do take ads in podcasts, um, but like very minimally. I mean, I have your ad. A lot of the ads in my podcast are for my own stuff and they work really well. So I think like if you have an offer or you have a class or you have a service that you want to share with your community, I think that's really the best form of advertisement in your podcast. Um, I have a couple of other affiliates that I've been toying with their ads and whatnot. Um, you know, we'll see. I know when I listen to a podcast, a lot of times I do fast forward the ad. I'm going to be very, that's, I'm very mm -hmm. honest about that. I, I come from an advertising background and so I understand how ad sales and advertising works. Um, and that's just human nature. Now, there are some there are some podcasts that are very relevant to me. And I might listen to the first few seconds to see if it's something that I am interested in. And sometimes it is. But, you know, like Smartless, for example, they have so many ads. And a lot of it is like, crap, I would never, ever use. And I fast forward it. So I think it just depends, but that's not how you make money. You don't make money from ads in a podcast unless you are, you know, someone who has, you know, a podcast with millions and millions and millions of downloads. It's quite right. It's about $14 a thousand is often the standard. If you just plug your podcast into your podcast hosts ad platform, that's a lot of downloads to get any traction. Smartless is such an interesting example. It's the first podcast that really sold or did a contract for um, such money. It was about $70 million is the is the estimated total um, value. So I can imagine Amazon are really trying to get them to milk that as much as they can with a, uh, um, with a whole bunch of ads. Um, Lindsay, this has been great. This is a ton of amazing practical advice for people thinking about doing a podcast or who have a podcast. I want to take a slight tangent right now and just for a second talk about AI because we're recording this in March of 23. And of course, it's it's an enormous topic. ChatGPT4 just dropped yesterday. And I know it's a topic that we're both passionate about. Um, what's your general thought on, on what's happening, whether in this sort of marketing world or, or more broadly with this big sort of topic of AI? 
You know, I've shared a lot about this on social media because even before AI was, you know, such a hot topic to discuss, I had a very big issue with the fact that there are so many people out there who try to sell their expertise and they're not experts. And, you know, I I think you really, you have to be a step or two ahead of your target customer in order to actually have them pay you for a service. And, you know, I think that what AI does is it allows people to get talking points that aren't theirs and market themselves in ways that isn't, it's not always truthful, to be very honest. And then someone buys your services or their services, and they're not getting the experience, they're not getting the knowledge, they're not getting someone who can think on their toes. I have talking points for myself. I have things that I say over and over again. I have a I have a whole method of marketing that I travel the country and speak and give keynotes about. It's you know, I have a marketing method that is very community centric. That's how I built both my companies. And these are my thoughts. And they're not just my thoughts, they're my experiences. So if you are going to a robot to come up with talking points, that's neither. And so I do think that, you know, I think AI can be used to save time. I think AI can be used to maybe get your juices flowing. But I also think there are so many other ways that you can, you know, brainstorm and think of your own Mm -hmm. thoughts and resources and sound bites than, you know, going to a computer. And so I think it's a little dangerous is what I think. And I think that for a consumer, it, you know, it's dangerous because, you're kind of pulling the wool over over people's eyes and I, and i and i just i don't i don't like that like i'm all about honesty and truthfulness and i think that it really kind of allows some of that to go by the wayside one of the things i think you do this whole community first approach is actually one of the few probably marketing approaches that will be far more future proofed i think against ai because a community is is real people interacting and they can see it's real people Whereas it's things like content marketing, I think in in general are going to get replaced pretty quickly. I think I'd add a second warning for listeners, which is I think content marketing because of people like Jasper is probably one of the biggest ways AI is being adopted right now. And I think Google, of course, doesn't have an investment in ChatGPT and OpenAI, and of course Microsoft does. And so it's in Google's interest to detect and penalize content generated by those things. I worry that people are putting a lot of time and money into a volume of content that's not really going to help them in the um, in the future. Well, and here's the thing too that I all and this is something I always say: like one, you need your community first and foremost. I mean, if you don't have a community, then there's really no one to buy from you, right? So it's very important that all of your content connects with your community. And if you are only generating content that is from a computer, it is not going to connect with your your community and your community is going to stop trusting you. And one of the number one principles of a community-centric marketing approach is to never compromise your trust. And you really, you can't gain it back. So the minute your community sees you doing something untruthful or, you know, not on brand for you, that's, it's kind of a red flag and you will, you will see the, the repercussions for that, from that. And so I just think it's so important that yes, you know, everyone's pumping out all this content, but I also think there are ways to pump out a lot of content that does connect without AI and you don't, you don't have to look to a computer to write your content for you. Yeah, that's right. 
Um, this has been amazing. Thank you very much. Um, as always, I'd like to thank the team back at Hivecast.fm for their professionalism and passion towards producing podcasts and their new service, PodAmp.fm, for promoting and marketing this episode. Today, I want to give a final shout out to a nonprofit we're supporting. For those of you watching on video, you can see this beautiful mug here, Brick Road, getbrickroad.com. Um, Mike, the founder, is doing this in order to help raise money to pay for therapy for people who really need it but can't afford it. So get brickroad.com. Lindsay, it's been a pleasure. Lindsay with an A, pinchuck.com is where you can find everything of Lindsay's. And from there, you can find her dear found her podcast. Thank you for being on. Thanks so much for having me. And thank you to your team. They're amazing. I adore them. And I love working with you guys.